Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It is each and every October began in 2004, continues today under the leadership of the National Institute of Standards and Technology. More info can be found at nist.gov. The goal of the month is always helping individuals and companies continue to be aware of cybersecurity issues and best practices. And we're definitely doing our part here at Connection. Again, a series of podcast conversations. And for this episode of our Tech Experience Solutions podcast, we are going to explore the top cybersecurity threats impacting the higher education space. All right, folks, we get started here. James Hilliard back. Really looking forward to this chat. Got three connection insiders on board. Bobby Spears, Senior Vertical Alliances Manager for Higher Education. Steve Nardoni here, Senior Director of Security and Network Solutions. And rounding out the three, Tim Allen, Director of Operations and Technology. Bobby, we start with you, Higher Ed. It is your focus, so you really get to kick us off. And and believe it or not, uh, I want you to start looking to wrap up 2022, start moving us into 23. Where is the Higher Ed security mindset? Where's their focus? When you look at, particularly in the post-pandemic world, cybersecurity is a massive concern, right? And so... Um, it was heightened because of so many colleges and universities are offering fully remote or hybrid curriculums. So pre-pandemic, massive amounts of data from faculty and students by, you know, institutions of higher education are already collected. And therefore, you know, cyber criminals and hackers are really high at targeting them. So um, a lot of the universities are more vulnerable because, you know, they have poorly constructed or outdated cybersecurity systems. And um, so right now, that is the that's the hot button right now is just with the way things have changed from the pandemic. You know, everybody's trying to make sure they're they're guarded. In some of your conversations, have you experienced what I've experienced in other verticals, healthcare, the tech space, manufacturing, others? There's kind of a great reset. People got through the pandemic. They threw a ton of gear out there, but then it was like, yo, we kind of got to double check things, make sure that we are secure. And then are we set to move forward, grow our business and all that? Where are the universities and colleges and higher ed? Are they doing some type of kind of great reset? Is there a, a review of what they did to make sure they're good now so they can grow and continue to, to you know serve students and faculty, uh, but do it in a safe manner? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you a quick stat. You know, statistically, there were, what, 1,851 data breaches in educational institutions between 2005 and 2021. So um, absolutely, definitely doing a reset, taking a look at things. A lot of data governance conversations. I just attended a conference um, in D.C. called RTM, uh, brought together a bunch of CIOs. Uh, to get together and kind of have like a, a meeting of the minds to talk about cybersecurity and a bunch of other things, but huge topic of kind of resetting and looking at data governance and how all the departments are in line or not. So yeah, a lot of conversation around that. And let me ask you just for a landscape as well, because within the uh, education space, it's not just a bunch of people going for some business majors or marketing, you know, kind of stuff I did. It's going into, we've got medical colleges and hospitals. We've got research centers. We've got centers that are tied to federal government and research into uh, space, the sciences, all these other things. Not saying that a good old liberal arts college isn't a target, but it seems like that there are some other uh, 
levels of higher education that could be even more targeted by those that are trying to get to very sensitive data and information. Yeah. So the, the, the amounts of data that's there, you're looking at social security numbers, right? You're looking at, um, all the different kinds of, uh, of, uh, individual data points that are, that are there that are collected for students. Think about it when you're, when you're registering for school, right? You're giving up everything. You're, you're giving up all your financial information. Um, cause especially if you're trying to get financial aid or something like that. So all of your personal data is available, um, inside the university systems. So that's why it's, that's why they're going after it. With that, Steve, let me bring you in here because Steve, we've been having conversations throughout the cybersecurity awareness month, uh, the manufacturing space. We've talked about healthcare. Uh, we obviously know all sorts of other verticals have minds and minds full of data. And again, it seems like that, uh, look, it's the same type of data, the financial, the personal identifying type of information, which is ripe for then creating personas online and stealing money and things like that. Uh, is, is that what you see? Is it the same stuff that these cyber criminals are going after that they go after in other verticals? Yeah, so James, you mentioned um, uh, upfront, you know, some of the issues and concerns that a university may have associated with um, data. For example, let's just say they're uh, um, uh, a, a medical teaching hosp uh, hospital, right, university, um, which means that they've got all kinds of, of data associated with uh, healthcare. Um, it could be a large research institution, as you mentioned, where they have government contracts. Um, and then in general, uh, Bobby hit on this, right? It's the personally identifiable information. Those That set of data that they capture on every single student. The interesting part too, is we've had many conversations with, uh, with universities associated with GDPR, right? The General Data Protection Regulation European Union, because we know there are students from the EU that are here, right? So now that's added an additional complexity with data protection there. But the interesting thing about a, a college or a university is I think it has the most diverse set of users out of any of the industries that we deal with who all have very different uh, demands and expectations on what services and data they want to gain access to. And, you know, one of the things that we've been faced with in some of the work we've done is, you know, basically the general comment, what do you mean I can't have unfettered access to all this information, right? I'm doing research and I got to have access to everything. Well, is, is that really true, right? So, you know, you have to really think about policies and controls that in the higher ed space that I think is very different than in a typical industry where, Everybody has a well-defined role, and that role defines what they do in the business. So I think that's the biggest challenge. Let me ask you this, Steve. Is phishing, is ransomware, are those uh, attack modes still very prevalent within that higher ed space? And if so, I'm thinking it's a whole lot harder to train against that, right? If we just take a software uh, company, we can do some training and say, hey, everyone, you got to go to this training. We've all got the same roles and this and that. But at a university, you're talking students, you're talking faculty, you mentioned researchers, you've got the admins that are in there, you've got guest access, all these types of things. So uh, first off, phishing ransomware, is that still something just being lobbed at higher ed day in and day out? It is still a significant thing. In fact, I was doing a little bit of research recently 
And um, last year, um, the stats we saw ransomware increase substantially over 2020. And the other thing I thought was interesting, and this actually speaks to exactly what you just said, James, 74% of the ransomware attacks launched in, in higher ed are successful, right? I don't think that's always the case in industry. And part of that is because, again, the very diverse roles that are um, connecting to university-based systems that don't have a clear understanding of what not to click on, what not to open, right? Because basically, if you're in higher ed, right, the consumption of information is why you're there. I want to learn. I want to see this data. So it's it's a huge challenge there. And uh, ransomware definitely is a continued problem. Um, and, you know, many universities are paying the ransoms. In a lot of cases, they're not getting all the data back. Um, they're now starting to lean more towards relying on uh, good backups so that they can retrieve data. But it still is a very big concern for higher ed. And Bobby, just from your store uh, conversations recently with teams out there, is that one of their number one when you're saying, hey, what are some of your challenges on secure? They're saying the phishing, the ransomware and all that. Yeah, yeah. There, there were some conversations um, with a few of the universities like there. The hackers are typically targeting colleges and universities um, in order to access the student faculty information. But they're they're trying to pose as uh, actual faculty members. Um which is which is crazy. There was an email. One of the guys was telling a story about an email that came from supposedly from the president um, requesting some money, <laughs> and one of the one of the folks literally was going to pay it. They were preparing a check to send it out. Took it to the president and asked him to sign it. He's like, "What is this? I actually didn't I didn't request these funds." Um, so then the security team came in, looked at the email and said, yeah, this is not from the president. Look at the email, you know, the email address. Just, yeah. So phishing is huge still. Still a big deal. Tim, what about just the systems? Uh, we've had a chance, uh, and, and folks can find other conversations we've had, Tim. We've talked about like the manufacturing space, slower to adopt some certain technologies and having some older technologies in their systems within their supply chain. So some challenges there. What do systems look like within higher ed, Tim? Are uh, a lot of our universities and colleges kind of up to speed? There has been a lot, at least reports, of lots of money going towards these uh, teams in the last several years. But where do they stand? Are, are outdated systems as much of an issue for universities as it is in some other verticals? It's quite a spread of situations across all the different types of universities, community colleges. You're going to find, you know, Probably the private or you know privately held universities, the big Ivy Leagues, they've probably got a pretty good security portfolio. They've been investing heavily into it. Then as you go down through the, the stratum there, you're going to find others who are struggling to find where to put their dollars. Do I put it into salaries? Do I put it into security? And they have to make a lot of hard decisions. So I think as you go across, you you'll find there's a there's just quite a spread and separation of where the investments have been made between the operations of the university and the school system and, and the actual, you know, how do we invest in security? And of course, having, if you've been, you know, had a security event, probably that's way the investment towards that. If you haven't had a major one, you probably haven't. So those are a lot of the factors that have uh, impacted. 
Well, let's do this. Let's jump off from there because I think, again, a lot of folks, we're, we're aware of what the challenges are. And uh, talking about challenges is fine and dandy, but at the end of the day, people want to say, well, how do I deal with said challenge? So uh, maybe, Tim, starting you know, with you as you engage with, uh, you know, again, whether it's a community college, uh, a four-year or research facility, what are a couple of things that you ask those teams to start thinking about in terms of their security posture and thinking about where they do need to put the... F- focus. Do you ask that question? Do they throw their hands up? Like, we don't know. That's why we're talking to you, Tim. Uh, what, what's that look like in a, in a daily conversation? There is that conversation of, of where are you now? There's always the, you know, the, what is this, what is that current baseline that you currently have? What is your history of activity? And uh, one of the things you find unique in universities, usually people in the IT organizations have been there for a long time. You'll find the long longevity in those roles. Uh, so they've usually got, you know, some of them go back to, I remember when we put the first computer in, you know, that kind of conversation. <laughs> to, to now, uh, I've been telling everybody about this problem for X number of years, and they're, they're finally listening to me. That That's sort of a usual hog track. And that, so, so when you go from that to, okay, what is your policies, what are your procedures? And then, they, they, almost unanimously always have those. It's now what is the compliance? What is the uh, the the ability to enforce? And that's usually where the challenges are, is that part of the organization is challenged to actually you know, def- defend the network because as Steve had mentioned, and I think Bobby had mentioned, the forces are stronger on the educational side to, to get the day-to-day education done. And so that may be at the expense of security. And I think what, we have learned in the last two and a half years since the pandemic has hit is that when you uh, cut those corners, you, you get exposed and you, you have significant uh, exposure to your infrastructure. Steve, to the old timers, the guys that were there when the first computers came in, the guys that have been saying, I've been telling them this forever. Um, now, again, because we came through the last two years, now there's such a spotlight on, it's been growing over the last several years on uh, security. What are they, those IT leaders, what are they asking for? Are they asking for more money to go after more multi-layered security type approach? Are they looking for more money to bring on more staff? Are they saying, you know what? Unfortunately, we're behind the times. Y'all didn't listen to me earlier. So they're looking for a, a managed type of solution that's going to help them so they can focus on other things. I mean, what, what's gaining their attention? What do they want to then ultimately bring to the administrators and, uh, you know, the college presidents, et cetera, to say, this is where we need to focus? Um, I think, you know, we've sort of shifted through the pandemic times, right? The key uh, issue there was how do I have everybody connect to the various applications and services they need access to securely from a remote location, right? So everybody was doing remote learning. You had to worry about that overall connectivity. That brought up all kinds of uh, interesting issues associated with do you use VPN or how do you do identification authentication and all the things that are, are necessary there. Um, and I think we've shifted to the point where we're starting to take a look at a couple of things. Um, some of what we're seeing is infrastructure upgrades because now they need to be thinking about improving their infrastructure, 
Um, and there's a lot of push on wireless, obviously, right? So having really strong wireless capability across an entire campus is a key thing. And then I think, um, you know, the area that they're starting to talk about is the area of managed uh, capability, because we know that um, the, you have to be watching uh, the networks. You have to be watching the traffic in order to be able to see whether or not anything that may be a suspect is actually happening. So there's there's certainly a shift in that area. But I don't think it's as predominant as it probably should be. Um, and understanding, you know, we, we've talked about in a lot of these different um, podcasts, uh, zero trust, right? That's something that uh, higher ed needs to be thinking about as well. The, a lot of the concepts that are built into zero trust in general focus on the things that are really their specific need. Um, the one area I think that they need to focus on that they may not be doing today as, as significantly as they should is the idea of network segmentation and really being able to segment their networks to the point where they know that the most sensitive, most critical stuff is protected within a network, you know, infrastructure, right? Uh, segmentation, micro segmentation, whatever the case may be. And that they're thinking about strict access controls into those environments. We haven't really talked too much uh, with higher ed clients on that. And I think that's an area that, that they need to start thinking about as well to do that better um, network infrastructure and, and data protection, which leads to better data governance as well. Goes back to that idea of a little bit of a reset, kind of seeing where they're at. And and so, Tim, I was going to, uh, one, get you to jump in on a little bit of what just uh, Steve said. Then I want to talk a little bit about penetration testing, because it's something that I think has an important play here and gives certain insights. But I don't know if it's used a lot in higher ed as it is opposed to other industries and all. So, uh, one, from what Steve just said, what, what to add? I just wanted to jump on his comment about zero trust. I think higher ed has understood the concept of zero trust for a lot longer than probably most every other industry because their user base has often operated as an adversary in the network. So they probably understand that approach um, or that thinking. What they have struggled with is how to deploy it, how to implement it, and how do you actually use that? And what's the framework or what's the scaffolding that allows you to hang your zero trust methodology out there? And I think that is, you know, the biggest challenge. I don't think we have to convince people about zero trust in higher ed. What we have to convince them is what's the approach and how do you take all the stakeholders, i.e. the higher ed, the college presidents and all of them to understand this has to be done to make the operation work. Uh, to your second point, when we talk about pen testing and things of that nature, I, I, I think there's a lot of um, less focus on that simply because they already feel that they're being attacked so they haven't they don't typically have the same level of concern that a business has from the standpoint of who's attacking me i would say probably most higher ed entities already feel they're being attacked every day anyhow so they don't have to prove their point but they do in many cases uh need a third party to look at that because i think a lot of those organizations probably do it themselves and feel they're you know, depending on the organization has a higher or higher expectation of their ability to find the problems than they really do. So so I think pen testing is a valid point, but it's it's only like I would say a 20% of the problem, you know, from the standpoint of if I focus on pen testing, I'm really not focusing on the 80 other 80% of the problem that's out there. 
but it is a huge potential ex exposure. It's a, an attack surface that you always have to be watching. Yeah, and it can give those insights. But again, as you were saying, these universities, the idea of knowing what zero trust is, yeah, it just gave me pause here. I'm like, how many hospitals bring in a thousand new employees every year and have been doing that for the last 40 years? They don't. How many software companies bring in 4,000 new employees every year at the same exact time. They don't. Universities have been doing this year in, year out, year in, year out. That's why we have the class of, you know, 74, the class of 87, the class of 2001. Um, and so they are used to that. But yes, uh, how do you handle that? And how do you, uh, you know, continue to get the word out there that we need to be, you know, safely computing? We'll, we'll come back to that idea as well when we give a couple of, you know, kind of final thoughts and, okay, what do we do from here? But, um, but yeah, and so I, I can see what you're saying there that they've got the idea, but it's how do we implement that and how do we really then start tying that into our processes? And, uh, and maybe Steve, it's how do we also kind of start putting it down pen to paper? if you will, for an old term. Um, is that something that's missing a lot out there, Steve? Is, yeah, there's the awareness, but actually having the uh, written down process to follow should we discover there's an issue and this is how we're going to mitigate. Does that exist in a lot of higher ed spaces? I think they've, you know, they've made strides in improving overall the level of policy management. Um, you know, you think about things like, um, and you know, this was one of the things I really found very comforting. And I don't know how long ago it was. Uh, you know, my kids are older, but one of them, when they went to college, um, said, I, "Hey, what is this thing they want me to install on my computer, Dad? Because they won't let me connect to ResNet <laughs> unless I have this this uh, agent installed on my computer." I'm like, "Yes, all right, good, we've arrived." So, um, you know, that um, is something that we've seen evolve over time. But again, you know, the structure of a university and and um, you know you have to think about this. It's almost like a city, right? With various groups that have various levels of roles, various levels of of data they produce, and what can they share? Um, so I think you know cross organizational issues may still exist when you think about policies and controls. But I think they've made some you know pretty good strides there. Yeah, the other thing I want to mention, you know, Tim was talking about pen testing, is that uh, it's really encouraging the amount of universities that are creating cybersecurity programs, uh, degree programs, and we're starting to see, a, you know, a, a, an increase in that. And we know that there aren't enough cybersecurity professionals out there in the world today to really meet the demand of, of corporations, the industries that need them. And that's really good. Um, and I know I just had a, a niece that just went to school and she's in the cybersecurity program. And part of what that program does, to Tim's point, is, you know, they do testing, right? So they teach the kids how to do testing in the own environment. And so that's that level of vulnerability testing and, and penetration testing can be done by the students on a regular basis, too. The idea of, of testing, obviously, is to give insights into what's going on. Uh, are individuals, either from the outside, able to get in and through firewalls and into systems? Are people internally uh, able to get in even easier because they have some type of credentials and then they can get to places they, they shouldn't be? It's all about trying to gather awareness. And that's something, Steve, that we also try and do from the connection standpoint with the security landscape optimizations. Go in and give folks, again, healthcare, 
manufacturing, technology, or higher ed, more visibility into where are some trouble spots and kind of help prioritize some of that, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And the security landscape optimization is designed really to cover the key points that we know every industry struggles with, uh, whether it be endpoint security, multi-factor authentication, edge network security, identity and access control, policy, um, things like testing, security testing, even business continuity and disaster recovery. So we we go through all of those elements and we help set a, a risk baseline. And that that helps whatever institution it happens to be understand where am I today from a risk point of view. And then we can help them determine with our reporting and our roadmap planning where they need to go in a very specific way. And that's really the first you know, any risk owner has to start with asking themselves the fundamental question, do I know what my risk is today? And we know that's a complex question to answer because, you know, again, think about higher ed, the amount of different users. And, you know, you pointed out, James, right, every single year you've got new individuals coming in that uh, are not familiar with how to gain access and what kind of information they can have. Every risk owner needs to think, do I, do I know my current risk baseline and do I have a plan of how I can get to where I need to be that will will mean that I'm I'm doing you know the best practices that I can do in my environment based on standards or compliance, and that's really what the the SLO helps you achieve. I'll come back to Bobby and Tim here before folks give me some contact information. Tim, starting with you, as we continue to see the threats evolve, uh, as we make changes in the higher ed space, what are a couple areas that you're hoping these teams would focus on with a security mindset? Uh, again, moving into 23, moving into 24, where are some areas that you'd hope that as you have conversations over the coming years with these teams you see them evolving and looking at and growing. Yeah, I, I think some of where I would take the conversation as we talked about capturing the baseline, you know, we talked about the tool with the landscape optimization is understanding what is the architecture they plan to implement it or have implemented or what they have followed for the last X number of years and is that the path they want to continue. So if we look at zero trust as, as we started a very, very high level conversation about, if they're looking at zero trust, it's really building off that first baseline and then building it to the next level. Because if you're going to the four basic principles of zero trust, it's, it's wrapped around understanding the organizational structure, what the organization outcome is. So in, you know, in a trip, you know, if you're, we're talking about oil and gas industry, it's pretty easy. Get the gas out of the ground, get it into the pump. If you're in education, it's get the information from the professors, the smart people to the new people who are coming into the new generation. And so you have to understand what happens in between those two points, you know, from getting from A to B. And, and then from a security standpoint, it's then that's your business operations. Now, how do you not break it from a security standpoint? And then, and then th th that principle boils down to working from the inside out because, you know, we've talked about this, you know, the hard egg, protecting the egg, but again, you know, we know the problem is inside and outside. So you want to design that, you know, have that design principle. And then, you know, you know, then figure out your access policies, your, your methodologies of access. And then, of course, you're monitoring. How are you going to monitor all of that activity that's going on? And that 
that is historically the biggest challenge for all organizations. And that's where another where connection can help. We, we have services around monitoring because that is one of the problems that an organization has is that discipline to stay focused on that dashboard, watching all of these things coming in and out. And so those, those are areas where we as an organization can help. And if not, you know, providing that service, providing guidance on how to build that service, that structure internally, so it becomes operational. Those are those are some of the highlights. We could go on for two hours on how to get there, but the <laughs> well, and that's where the, the the next two hour conversation is, is is the individual conversation because as we talked about a little bit earlier as well, you know, each university has a separate persona and they're different. And you know, some universities that are newer or a newer campus is going to be in a different space potentially than uh, in an older or potentially a more rural or what have you. Right? There's so many different facets and diversity of the types of education opportunities out there. Um, so again. Uh, and, and folks, that's reaching out to your account managers and it's talking to your connection team and, and getting folks like Bobby and Steve and Tim and others on board to really talk about and see where where you're at. Bobby, with that, though, let's let's put a wrap on this conversation on, again, just maybe a final thought from you, something that you want to make sure and something that you'll be doing from your vantage point at Connection to help kind of spread the word among higher ed on something and some things they need to continue to focus on so that they can be more secure tomorrow than they were yesterday. At the last conference I was at, the, the first security issue that came up was cyber risk management. That was the most voted on cyber issue, right? Cybersecurity issue. So I think the, the main thing from our perspective, I mean, it's a, it's a good time for us because regardless of where you're located or the size of your institution, uh, cybersecurity risks are present. And if you haven't already, it's absolutely time to invest uh, in some form of protection. So um, there's so many options to explore, but the, the great thing is, you know, we can help folks make the right connections, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> pun intended. Well, I do appreciate it. Uh, connection.com, folks, if you go to our higher education page, there's more information. Also, connection.com forward slash cybersecurity awareness month. Uh, of course, we'd love for you to share this podcast. So on your favorite podcast platform, you can go ahead and like, share, and of course, subscribe to Tech Experience Solutions here. And we do have other conversations that are out there tied to the cybersecurity awareness Awareness Month, again, to focus on manufacturing, on healthcare, other conversations. So I encourage you to check those out. Uh, but definitely stay in touch with your account management team as well uh, so that you can have these conversations. And as it comes up, right, the right people. And then we've got so many partners out there that we can pull in when it gets to the stage of talking the tech then that's a whole other round of conversations. But I think what we shared here today is some of the ideas to be thinking about first and putting together a little bit of a framework of how do you want to go after and secure your defenses. And then you start talking tech and things like that down the road. So uh, anyway, with that, folks, really appreciate Tim, Steve, and Bobby's time here. Thank you all for taking time to join us as well. And as always, we hope you continue to be safe, be well, and we do look forward to talking to you all down the road.